there is no such thing as perfect and that life is is a like a dot drawing mm. and some people will look at it and think it's about the lines that connect the dots but it is really about the dots mm. it's moments and then the connections and how they happen and the scratches and the perfect lines and things they're just you know they're not going to be perfect some of them will be but really the the joy is in imperfection the joy is in moments not in the whole stand back picture i'm alison rice and welcome to offline the podcast these are honest conversations about true self with the people behind the instagram accounts and the teachers who help us on our way A lot has changed since I launched Offline in September 2018. It started as a podcast, and thanks to your ongoing support, it turned into a movement. Today, Offline exists to help us explore the essence of who we are and how to live, create, and succeed in alignment with that. This is our true self. There's the podcast a series of online courses I've created with our collective needs in mind and experiences that allow us to connect as a community. Visit getoffline.co to find out more or follow getoffline.co on Instagram. I hope this episode helps you on your way. Thank you for being here. Paula Joy, what a name. Not like mine, Rice. She's a feeling... I'm a food group. I think when we hear the title editor-in-chief, we immediately think Devil Wears Prada. Paula is the opposite of that. If you don't know her name, just know that she's responsible for some of Clio magazine's best years. She founded the late, great Madison magazine, and the list goes on. Today, she runs her namesake site, The Joy, the personal venture she launched after bravely taking the leap from glossy magazines and newspapers and into digital media. Her timing, as it turns out, was impeccable. One of the things I love most about Paula is how real she is on Instagram. She's often without makeup, singing, dancing, playing piano, cooking. She's all of it and more. She's the mentor I didn't know I needed until, well, I did. Here's Paula and I for Offline. It was fantastic the moment that we started talking I quickly knew that we were going to get along and that we would talk again and I will say I was completely overwhelmed with your warmth and your support for what I was doing oh yeah I'm blushing yeah no I was and I think it was easy to be I think that when you have connections real connections and I think the older that you get the rarer that they are and also it's a small world and it was unusual that we hadn't crossed paths but I do believe in timing and you know it was an incredibly real very easy organic natural thing um this whole podcast is about um self and identifying with self and defining it where do you think that comes from your ability to see people very quickly and connect I thank you for for saying that. It's my pleasure. I think that I am a good listener and I'm definitely a good 
observer and I also really just like getting down to it straight away. I don't, small talk's not really my bag. And our, in, our industry, oh gosh, the small talk. Yeah. How are you good? How are you busy? Yeah, me too busy. Where do you live? <laughs> That's Sydney. Where do you live? I oh, live in too. Sydney. I love Bondi. Yeah. <laughs> no. I can't do that. I can't, I'm not, I'm not I just find that um, boring fast. So I always just try and um get into I'm a journalist you know I like a story I like to know what makes people tick um I'm less good at talking about myself and I think that for a lot of yeah (laughs) now I'm scared I think for a lot of years when you're when you're anxious person or you're a private person you it's really the way to fill a conversation and not have to talk about yourself is to learn about others but people do tell me things instantly Mm. On planes, trains, mm. you know, I that does happen. Mm. But so I'm open to it. I am genuinely interested in human beings. Mm. I um, I've shared this before. I think it was in the last episode. It's all becoming hazier now. Um, the moment I realised I needed to do self work was when I identified that I couldn't insert my own stuff into conversations so unless I had someone saying how are you no really how are you or you don't seem okay tell me about it then I would open up but if I wasn't given kind of an entry point I would hold it all in and I felt like I had to be this version of the Alison that everyone saw on I guess Instagram and this inspiring sort of female leader but do you identify with that in any way like for you is it more about just trying to learn about other people or do you also find it hard to put your things in that perhaps might always be no definitely definitely and I'm also you know I suffer from perfectionism and that can be a really great thing it's something that you know is creates drive and you know being meticulous but it can also have a real flip side where if there's not flowers in a vase and Vivaldi's not playing and there's not fresh baked bread in the oven then you know the world might end <laughs> mm. and um that can sometimes be paralyzing mm. when you're having a conversation so mm. yeah definitely i literally used that word the other day I was talking to a friend about this podcast and I said to her it's imperfect and part of what I've had to get used to is on this we have that pursuit of perfection don't we and as a creative it can stop you from putting work out there if it doesn't hit your bar of you know it has to be this like part of the anxiety I've had around it is well everyone expects me to do this perfect product and part of what I like about it and I'm really sort of sitting in it now is leaving the stumbles in you know and leaving when I jumble up a word or when I get it wrong because this is what is real you know what I mean and we're so used to highly commercial products and content that when we hear something that doesn't look 100% slick and perfect, we go, mm, well, it wasn't that good or she didn't do that right. And I feel like it makes us more judgmental. I think, I think that that's true. But I also think that there's a shift. And, you know, what I know now is 
and that's just wisdom and runs on the board, is that, you know, there is no such thing as perfect and that life is is a, like a dot drawing. Mm. And some people will look at it and think it's about the lines that connect the dots, but it is really about the dots. Mm. It's moments and then the connections and how they happen and the scratches and the perfect lines and things, they're just, you know, they're not going to be perfect. Some of them will be, but really the the joy is in imperfection the mm. joy is in moments not in the whole stand back picture mm. do you think we have perhaps as women in positions of influence do you think we have a duty of care to show more imperfection i yes. think you do a really good job of it actually of being like the hair's fucking in a top knot. I've been for a run. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I just have to. I can't, you know. I'm a woman of your mother. I don't wear a lot of makeup anyway. Uh, and I think that, you know, you've got to be careful not to take the mickey out of people. But I am also an entertainer. I am a lover of pretty things. I just... Mm. And I think that smart women can love pretty things and I don't think that there should be any shame in that. I think that if you're going to ask people to come and spend time with you, then you need to be authentic and or inspirational. You've got to bring one of the two. And I think that there's a moment for both. And there are some days when I am just feeling like, ugh, and I'm like, I need a light. I need to make this inspiration <laughs> day about because this is a little bit too much for anybody. But I think... Authenticity, whether you're a politician, a teacher, as a partner, an as a friend, as an influencer, is they used to say content is king. I think authenticity is king. You heard it here first. That is like good time. Or is that queen. <laughs> um, exactly, is queen. So I'd love to know you obviously started your career in papers and mags. Mm-hmm. So traditional paper and ink paper and ink printed do you miss the exclusivity of that world before social media and this I guess pressure to show more of it or pressure or not pressure for some people but do you miss that you were able to get in there and just be operational and not have to worry about showing it uh I yes look there's two parts two two parts to my answer the first is is In my shift from traditional to digital, the hardest thing for me initially was being the brand myself because I have always championed, looked after, nurtured, grown someone else's brand or another brand. And it's very different being the face or the captain of a brand versus becoming a brand. So that was the hardest thing for me. However, when I worked in in traditional publishing, it was a different era and we didn't have any of those pressures. Uh, I mean, social media was n- was not around. I mean, Twitter had just started when I left. So it was mm-hmm. I lived in a com- – I, I had to deal with this thing called the internet, <laughs> but social was not a thing, you know. Mm. It was really the earliest days of Facebook. There was no Instagram. It was just – um, we lived in a silo, so it was rarefied in a way, and I think it would be very, very tough mm. dealing with all because you've just essentially 
got a whole heap of self-publishers out there now that you're competing with. Mm. Uh, you know, when it used to be a little bit more straightforward and just the newsstand, mm. you knew where your competitors were. They were there. Well, it was harder to get into the industry, whereas now Instagram is the industry. That's right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. to your point, we're all self-publishers and it is a platform where you can create and create a a business for yourself which I think is fantastic I think the concern I have is and this is weird because I didn't think this podcast was going to turn into an Instagram bashing but I do love Instagram as you know I'm on it all the time but I am concerned that because it's self-publishing it's not regulated in that way that saying oh actually you know you can show half of it can be perfect but half of it should be real as well because I know we in print, perhaps you would edit. Obviously, that was your job to curate and put a product out there. Um, and people would go to that and be inspired by that. But I just, I'm concerned that there's not enough realness in what we're seeing and that the bar for young women is so high, they're never going to hit it. And therefore, are they ever going to really feel like they've made it, whatever that is, or that they're successful or that they're worth it or good enough? I also think that probably social media has more to answer for that than magazines. Totally. I, I, you know, at the end of the day, magazines and newspapers are are run by journalists yeah. and, and are, are governed by those practices, you yeah. know. So um, I think magazines have done a lot of good for women. Yeah. And will continue to. But I do think that it is dangerous. I mean, I'm a mom of two girls and... I see. I see that they are just swimming in this sea of Insta famous and Well, I was gonna ask you about that. Like what how are you how are you growing these girls in a world where there is so much out there that can make them feel less than? Well, I'm hard ass. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard me say that before, but you know, they didn't have phones until they were well into senior school. Uh, they had Instagram accounts on a tablet which were private. There were regulations around that. My eldest, I mean, she'll hate me saying this, but <laughs> she didn't get Facebook until really a, a year ago. And I, the way I liken it is Instagram is like sending them to the local shops to buy a chicken burger <laughs> and Facebook is sending them out naked mm, <laughs> into King's yeah. Cross yeah. with no money. Yeah. And that's purely because of its size and also that you can yeah. hyperlink from it. Yeah. So I just think that my job is to they are native. It's not stopping them learning. Mm. I'm, of course, when they didn't have phones, they were on an iPad or they were on their friend's phone. But I think policing it is important. Uh, and I also am about taking them for other experiences. I mean, yeah. my friends will la laugh when I say this, but I do believe that the most important thing that girls need to hone and understand is that feeling in their stomach that teaches them the difference between good, bad and bad, bad. And it's a, a very fine line, you know, good, bad can take you great places, but bad, bad can end in the worst of situations. And you will never feel that in your stomach if you've got your head in 
a phone or headphones on. You need to learn to be on a bus and be aware of surroundings. You need to be able to get on a bus full stop. Get yourself home. You don't have a telephone. You need to ring somebody. Learn how to do that. Learn how to communicate with someone that is safe to to ring. I mean, I've made my girls run away from a bull in a paddock. (laughs) I love you. Because if you can do that, you can... Run away. And I haven't actually actively gone out and sought a bullet. I mean, we have rural environments that we have access to, so it sounds insane. But also climb trees, ride a bike. They've both also had to get over a river on a log. And I think all those things, I grew up that way. I grew up that way. We used to come home when the streetlights were on. It was like that was when you came home. When the streetlights turn on, come home. And I think that. It hones something that is super, super important for women to understand. So minimise the technology, keep the conversation going as much as you can, even though it can be tricky sometimes, educate, Mm. love, sit on your hands. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and, and, you know, just hope it's all going to turn out okay. I Mm. think, you know, what you cannot be as a parent is perfect and you just got to park that and know that you're going to be imperfect and uh, have a sense of humour about it as well. I love that philosophy on – so I guess that's like developing intuition and, yeah, that gut feeling of I need to get out of here immediately. Or I can stay. Or I can stay because I'm comfortable here and I've been here before and I've felt this before. I think that's a big part of the reason I wanted to obviously do this podcast with women like you is – For young girls who are consumed and maybe their parents haven't come to the party on any sort of guardrails around Instagram or being on platforms or their phones, I'm worried. I'm worried that we're not developing or they're not developing that sense of self. I think it's tricky for parents. I I think that parents that, you know, there's no right way Mm. and I think there's a lot of pressure and I think technology is can be scary for a lot of people. I mean, we work in it. I've been having a conversation with young women since I was 24 years old. I know too much. (laughs) So I can sit here and say that I've done all of this, but at the same time my career's afforded me access to hearing what's going on out there and I was I was well armed, so I think it can be hard for parents. And no, you know, you never want to let your children down. Mm. It's hard to just parent and not be a friend. It's not easy. Mm. Uh, but I think that girls and boys and men—I mean, men are having a tough time too. Need every human needs a goat track. Every human. I think the way I think about it is... What do you mean by a goat track? Well, in its simplest term, when you've got young kids, it's, okay, now we're going to go and have a bath. Then the teeth brushing comes. Then the pyjamas go on. Then we read you a book and then it's lights out and it's just teaching a routine, you know, teach Mm. them how to sleep, teach them how to eat, teach them how to go to the toilet. But adults need goat tracks too. We are happy with parameters it's a security thing it's a it's not it's not a sort of a dystopian state you know (laughs) robot kind of thing but humans like to feel safe and and I think routine and structure is really important to becoming a good citizen becoming a good human and just even allowing time for reflection Mm. you know we recently went away on the weekend just the family unit 
no technology and all of us with books and I was so, we had, it's been years since that had happened and I was like, my goodness, the world has turned so much that I'm not even aware of it. I think I'm aware of it but to actually be completely unplugged as much as we might police it day to day was just, God, it was freeing. It was fantastic. Do you know what I love about our relationship? I was just reflecting then as you were talking. You know, I was like, what's a goat track? <laughs> you say things and I'm like, what's that? <laughs> I talk in bumper stickers Teach sometimes. Teach me about the world. Which, by the way, my philosophy on bumper stickers is whenever you see them, just do what they say. <laughs> That's that. like a self-made bucket list. That's my thing. Even magic happens. You can find that. Pull a rabbit out of a hat. I dance in the rain. All those crazy things that they put on bumper stickers, I'm, I do it. I don't like those fucking weird families though. They're not bumper stickers. No, they're just stickers, aren't they? Yeah. I just hate those creepy I families. hate those things too. <laughs> With the pet. I hate um, those too. So you, when you came into my life... I didn't know I guess I needed you until there you were and I think the universe has that way of putting the right people in front of you when you're ready to receive it. I think I told you I was fine for ages. Oh, good, I've got it, I'm fine, I'm fine. And you did this really beautiful thing where you kind of mentored me sideways, where you mentored me without me really realising that you were doing it (laughs) until I would walk away and be like, that was a session. (laughs) Um, You give great It's not until you hang out with Paula one-on-one that you realise she's like this encyclopedia of great advice. I wanted to know who she learned from, who were her mentors and where all that great advice came from. First of all, I've got a great family, really intelligent, amazing, wise mother and father, grandparents that I was lucky to know and equally wise. I've had great friends that call me on my crap. I think it's really important to have that those sort of people in your life and brothers and sisters, you know, I'm one of four. It's rough and tumble but also, you know, I always say family is the cotton wool on which you fall and I'm really lucky to have that. I've been with my husband for 20 years, married this year, oh, my God, golf club. You know, Tony and I are like his biggest fans So he's amazing. We and have I've, too many wines. That I've known him for you know since I was just we were just Paula and Saxon. So I'm really lucky to have had that, and uh, you know he's incre- incredibly pivotal uh, for me. Always has been. Nothing's real unless he, unless I tell him. And then when it comes to career, um, I have had. Some, I mean, I've had Kerry Packer. I've had Lisa Wilkinson, I've had Deborah Thomas, I've had Pat Ingram, Wendy Squires, Mia Friedman, Caroline Overington. What a roll call. I mean amazing freaking women that were just the warmest. I mean Lisa was my and Deborah were my first bosses. Lisa, you know, gave me my break as a beauty editor when really I couldn't write a check really. Oh, I and, was the same. But she just gave me this, you know, this great break. And she, one of the things I learned about Lisa, I learned so much from her creatively, but as a leader, I will, she was amazing. It didn't matter how she was feeling. 
or what was going on, might have been going on personally with her, she would always, when you came to the door, put her own stuff in a drawer and be there for you. And she still is, you know, she's, I can still pick up the phone to her and she would do, and she would do that. She's just such a warm person, as is Deborah, as is all of them. Everybody on that, on Mm. that list are supportive of women. I came through a dynamic company when it was filled with women that supported women. Mm. And also, uh, you know, Mia and I uh, were the same age and, editing the same magazine <laughs> effectively and it was a pretty cool thing to have such a close friend know exactly what you were talking about and that was an incredibly supportive thing to have happen we could say this happened and she would know exactly so um you know I was surrounded I was spoiled for choice I was mm. lucky yeah but again I feel like you were in you were put in that time and your talent as well. Like, I mean, you just have this also like catalogue brain. It's like insane of the like references you can pull up. And again, I'll be like, who's that? What movie? What's the song? <laughs> and that's a part of the part of what I've learned from you is I need to go and develop that side of my life as well. Like I've got to have song references. I've got to have books I can talk about. I've got to have films that I turn to in times of joy and pain and times of grief, you know, and that's one of the biggest lessons I've taken from you is I want to be able to sit across from someone and just shoot off these amazing references that make me who I am and have shaped me, you know. Oh, that's that's so nice to hear because there is – I mean, the entire time there is a soundtrack going on <laughs> in my life. Every moment has music going on. Do we have music right now? I'll I put totally you on the spot. I totally have music now. <laughs> and it's, it's um, for me, music is everything. I am a, yes, I am a lyric nerd. I can, you know, I can speed read. Um, I do have a memory for that kind of thing. But music's joy and music's release and um, I think it's really that's how I bookmark my life. You, mm. I hear a song and I can tell you it's got a story for me behind that's it. That's cool, bookmarking your life. Yeah. Yeah, with art and culture I don't have watersheds. Film. I have mm. bookmarks. Mm. So it's interesting what you were saying about Lisa Wilkinson and her leadership style mm-hmm. because I every time I've um, – said I'm going to dinner with my friend Paula Joy and I get so much like, yeah, she's my friend. That's so awesome. If a, either it's someone I've managed directly or led directly or a colleague in the industry will say they've worked for you before and it's very consistent, the messaging, career highlight, Aww. best boss. And so it must be that you also took your learnings from Lisa and the other women around you and applied that. And I've taken so much inspiration from that too in how do we be positive role models? Like one of my girls recently had said it wasn't, she was going to get out of media, but it wasn't until she started working for our editorial director, Mandy, that she found somebody she wanted to be more like. And that she could see herself in a leadership role because of that, Isn't that style. Good? It's like life-changing stuff, actually. Yeah. To change someone's course is like pretty fantastic. Well, it's so nice to hear that because I think I really learned 
I, I, you know, I did have some great bosses. I had some bad ones too. But you, and you learn and a lot from great, them. Aren't they? Aren't they great? I love the fuckwits. I yeah. Work. And you learn how not to be. And I think that's really important. But I was very much, you know, in my teams. I was really interested. And you are nothing without the people around you. You just are nothing. And you are a fool if you think otherwise. And four brains are better than one. And I also firmly believe that. You are the captain, and you go down with the ship. That that it's that that is that, and that is that is a leader to me. It doesn't matter who made the mistake on the team; it's yours. You take it, mm. and it's on your watch. So it's nice that people think had fun. I'm also crazy, and will sing, <laughs> and I wore tutus a lot to the office. I mean, my <laughs> outfits were on fleek. <laughs> <laughs> Um, can we talk about your relationship with Instagram? I'm interested in the emotional landscape of Instagram. How does it make you feel? Oh, it can make me feel terrible. Definitely. I didn't think so. Because you have a pretty supportive community, don't you? The best. I have the nicest, nicest community. Uh, if somebody leaves a bad comment, they will sort it out. And I just leave the comment and I just let it be there. Um, and I've been very lucky like that. But what I've realised is, is that you can spend a lot of time on Instagram consuming other people's content when you really should be creating your own. And I didn't realise how much of a time sapper it could be. I, it, emotionally it can make you feel terrible. Mm. You know, everyone's in Europe, everyone's... You know, evidently skinny in Europe also. Everyone's <laughs> thin and brown in Europe on private jets and, uh, you know, or having a green juice or whatever it is. I mean, that is Instagram. Um, but there are also really funny people on there and there's really strong, brave people on there. So, um, you know, I enjoy it. I, I don't want to get off it. But I've just recently made a thing where... I realised I was just spending too much time consuming other content when I really should have be creating my own and also mm. just creating space. Mm. So now I am really trying hard not to go onto Instagram until 11 o'clock every day mm. when I've done my exercise, been with my family, gotten the lunches made, gotten myself dressed, sat down and done my to-do list, all of that. And then when that you've actually done that, then I get on Instagram. It's like I believe if you make your bed every day, you can do anything because mm. your first Just task is done. If you don't make your bed, you're screwed. Mm. So there's a lot of self-care there in the morning. I mean, I definitely fell victim to that. Mine's email first, but I'll like literally my alarm will go off, I'll roll over and because all of our US partners would email me overnight, obviously, I'd be straight on. So one eye open actually making pretty big calls, <laughs> you know, and trying to craft really important emails and just like getting to a point where I said, what are you doing? Like what is another hour or two until you're on the bus on your way to work to reply? Lately it has been Instagram too where I'll wake up and open the app and I think it's that, you know, there's so many studies around the, um, the hit we get. It's addictive. Right, when we it's open it and we see the love hearts or the comments or the, yeah. you know. Follows, likes, and they all mean nothing. 
Nothing. They really do not. I mean, they are no marker of the human that you are mm. or the person that you will be in the future. Mm. Uh, it takes a very robust person, however, to view it for what it is. So I just think that the dialogue has to be around. It can make you feel crappy. Mm. You know, I think Mia does a really good job of showing people just the truth and actually we'll just put a highlighter pen through that every now and then saying everyone else is here, I'm actually here <laughs> yes. in my ripped jammies or whatever. And I think, yeah. you know, it's that's, that is the message that it is just got to keep telling yourself this ain't real. Mm, and I think to your point there is showing more of the, you know, I'm like Suzanne pajamas pizza yeah. while, you know, on the back of the Dior event or whatever yeah. it might be. I've been working my ass off this yeah. week and it looks like this. Mm. Um, I love this quote. You cannot dream yourself into a character. You must hammer and forge yourself one. I would like to know what shaped you. Is there pivotal moments in your life when we think about like resilience and building intuition and everything that makes up your character and you have such a big, robust character as a woman mm-hmm. – were there moments that you feel like looking back on perhaps they may have been hard or perhaps they were actually very joyous but they've shaped you into the woman you are today? For sure, um, for sure. Um, I was really sick when I was young uh, for about a year and almost a year off school. That was tough because um, I was just becoming a teenager and it sort of arrested my development, not physically but in in just in, in socially and things mm. like that. And... You know, I got well again and it was fine and that's your blessing. Um, I saved my sister's life. She drowned and I resuscitated her. And that's something that has stayed with me for and will forever stay Mm -hmm. with me. And again, so grateful. But the thing that you always live with is is imagine if it hadn't worked, which is Mm -hmm. probably a really stupid way to be, but that's real. Um, Becoming a parent. Falling in love, making a relationship work. Uh, Big jobs. Big jobs. Big jobs and being a working mum. Just wanting to be a good mother. (laughs) Uh, I think, you know what, life is no cakewalk. And I think maybe I thought it would be Mm. at times or you forget. But... Yes, as I said at the head of this, it's about moments. That's what mm-hmm. I've really come to realise and my big focus these days is is don't miss the moment. Me too. Try and be present in the moment when it comes. Try and recognise it as a moment mm. and live it. Sitting in self. <laughs> that. Um, I have one question for you that I'm asking each of my guests as the last question. <laughs> da, 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 da. When you're sitting in your true self, who are you? And this is like the worst because (laughs) I actually don't know the answer to my own question and I am wondering if at the end of this I actually form an opinion of that because it's hard to answer without labelling. Oh, I know who I am. I'm Paula. That's it. That's it. Ty, you, uh, you know what? You arrive dying. And that's how I got here and that's how I'll go out. 
I'm just Paula. Well, I love you. <laughs> that was so fun. And I am so appreciative for you and the work you do for women because there's a lot of it that no one sees. And I've, yes, many stories that we don't have time to go into now. But thank you for being on my podcast. Oh, my goodness. I could just be here for all day. It was just the funnest. And, you know, I likewise, you've been an absolute joy in my life. Oh, thank you. Warmth, just intelligence, you're brave. Doing this is amazing. You know, you were born to help women. And I just, you know, I look forward to seeing you do that in many varied Amazing ways. Thank you, PJ. Thank you, AR. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline. Visit getoffline.co to explore more episodes, the online courses I've created to help you succeed consciously, and upcoming community events. Follow getoffline.co on Instagram and me. My handle is Alison Larson Rice. Lastly, if you know someone who would benefit from hearing these honest conversations, please share offline with them. Bye.